Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode five of the Mr. Agreeable podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. Uh, today's guest is a friend of mine, Cameron Miller. Uh, Cameron is a certified athletic trainer and certified strength and conditioning specialist. Uh, both things I'm uh, really interested in hearing about today. Um, Cameron was my first college roommate, and uh, <laughs> that was always a good time, except for when it wasn't. Uh, yes, but yeah, let let me uh, introduce, or let Cameron rather introduce himself and uh, talk a little bit about what he does, and uh, we will go from there. So over to you, sir. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. So yeah, the first thing um, Anthony mentioned is uh, I'm a certified athletic trainer. Um, so it's a, an allied health profession. Um, I, uh, studied athlete training at Florida state university and then ended up getting my master's in sport management, well, exercise science with a focus in sport management from East Carolina university, um, over in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, so, so I spent a few years working in that realm kind of exclusively, but I, I've had my CSCS for a while um, and kind of gravitated more to the performance side of things. Um, so I got that certification a little bit after grad school, basically kind of make myself more marketable in the athletic training world. Um, I always think any athletic trainer should also get uh, their CSCS so because of how closely they work with strength coaches. But the more I did it, I kind of slowly, each job I had kind of threw in a little bit more performance um, and coaching involved. And so primarily that's what I do now is um, a little bit of a hodgepodge of both, but predominantly uh, performance training and uh, strength and conditioning. Cool, cool. Well, uh, earlier on before we started this, you had said, or you've said it actually recently a couple of times that you see patients in the morning. Um, is that does, when you say that, does that mean like all of those people are athletes or what's the deal there? Yeah. So not, not all of them. I've actually been fortunate to work with a variety of populations, whether it's uh, youth, um, kids, uh, athletes, uh, middle school, high school, college, professional, and then general population. Um, so usually when I see patients in the morning, um, so as a, at our clinic uh, with the hospital system I work at or I work for, um, I see some of the PT patients um, under the quote-unquote supervision of the physical therapist. And so most of the people I see are athletes, um, but some of the younger or some of the uh, – non-athletes. I usually just see a little bit more younger active population. Um, occasionally I'll, I'll have uh, a geriatric patient from time to time, um, which I think those are the best because they always have the best wisdom and store life stories to talk about. Um, so that's probably one of the most enjoyable populations to work with. Um, but I'm pretty much running what we call a bridge program and sounds it's bridging the gap between physical therapy they've met their pt goals and they still have some things they want to work on and uh move to full activity again and so that's kind of where i take them i transition them into full activity um so those are the 
primarily the patients I'm seeing in the mornings are bridge program patients. Uh, and how do they get connected with you if there's such a wide range of different folks? So that, that comes from the PT. So the PTs really help because um, they're seeing them for, you know, sometimes a couple weeks, you know, someone may be referred from uh, their ortho or primary care with a hamstring injury. And, you know, the PTs may say, okay, I, you know, we evaluate them. We see them a few sessions. Like, Cam, I think this patient might be a good candidate for the bridge program um, and might benefit a little bit more from the performance aspect. So I blend that, the sports medicine, the physical therapy, and then the performance aspect uh, together uh, to get them back to where they want to be. Um, it's why some of the doctors, we're still trying to get some of the, the doctors in the area in our system to fully understand the bridge program because I was uh, referred a, a patient that, uh, an elderly man who's awesome, love working with him, but needs a hip replacement and um, was referred by his primary care for the bridge program. Um, so it was, it was interesting just because he didn't quite, the doctor didn't quite understand that the bridge program is not, not necessarily built for, for that type of um, that type of population, but it ended up being great. Um, the guy wanted to, wasn't getting the care he wanted at another physical therapist, and um, we were basically just trying to keep him stronger, uh, keep him strong, and get him stronger before uh, hip replacement surgery. So it ended up being a blessing for me because it's probably one of the best hours of my day um, and my week that I got to work with him. Um, he's a guy from California and and just love talking politics, love talking current events, and um, was just a fun guy. So even though it didn't, he wasn't supposed to be in the bridge, I, I'm thankful that the doctor wasn't quite sure what the bridge was and sent him my way because it's been really yeah. fun. Well, before I uh, ask you things that are really selfishly driven, like things that apply to me and how I can perform better, <laughs> um, sure. how did you help that guy? Like, what, what was, you know, how, how did that go? Like, I mean, I, I would assume you wouldn't help someone like that in a similar way to someone so young and robust as me. Right, right. You know, uh, you know, with the energy levels you have and just the, the sheer athleticism that Anthony <laughs> Collins has, uh, I'm clearly going to I'm going to treat you a little bit different than I would uh, uh, elderly gentlemen. Um, well, that, that basically, so, so then I have to put my athletic trainer hat on. So there, it was twofold, you know, there was some, uh, frustration with, a another clinic in a different area that there was inconsistency. So he would see one person and then it seems like his next visit, he'd see another person. And there was frustration that people just didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, that's, and that is, that's a, just a terrible way to go to PT. You don't, you don't, uh, create a, uh, a motivation factor or a drive for that person to want to get better. They get discouraged when they yeah. go to PT, if it's someone new. And so there was no, there wasn't really any continuity. So I kind of, when I was evaluating it, I'm like, I'll talk with the PTs, you know, get a kind of a, a game plan together on his care because it's really just, it was hip stabilization um, and getting him moving the best he can within his pain tolerance uh, to keep that strength up and maybe even 
gain a little bit of uh, stability uh, before surgery. And then I kind of took it a little step further. Like, look, this, I'm going to provide best care I can. Like I do every, like I try to do with everyone, but also provide a place that he wants to go and wants to go to, to get better. Um, and hopefully fix some of those, uh, the mental aspect of it that he had with the other place. Um, so that was kind of how I, I went into it. Um, I'm gonna make it enjoyable, you know, make sure he knows that I care, um, not try to get him to do things that are way outside his, um, his ability. Um, so after an assessment, it's like, Hey, we pretty much break it down to the lowest level of, uh, PT exercises you can't because I mean he was just that was in so much pain there was a lot of limitations so I mean that's kind of that was kind of my thought process going into uh, that sort of scenario with that kind of patient um, I can't can't have him doing box jumps or even body weight squats I mean so you take a squat and now we're just doing sit to stands on yeah. a, a off the table right at a certain level so it's like yeah. okay here's hold my hands try to stand up let's sit back down. And so you really just break it down um, to the lowest level activity possible and then build from there. Interesting. So you worked with him for a while or how did that go? Yeah. So I was, yeah, I worked with him for um, about, let's see, twice a week. And then, and then the whole COVID thing happened. Um, so that was, that was frustrating because we had gotten into a good rhythm Um and we were seeing improvements. He was having less pain. Um, you know, still had significant pain, but it was less. He was able to get up and move a little bit better around the house. And and then COVID happened, and it kind of pretty much disappeared. So fortunately, the hospital has brought back quote unquote non-essential orthopedic surgeries. Um, brought that back. So he's kind of in the process of getting that surgery done, and when he comes back, uh, he'll see a physical therapist. That's typically how it goes. I, I usually don't see um, immediately post-op. Um, usually get a good base with the PTs first, and then and then hopefully I'll, I'll get him back on my schedule. Just because we had a we had a lot of fun. Yeah. So you yeah. So he will be coming back to you eventually. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to keep in touch with him like every every week or so shoot him a text like, Hey, you know, how's, how's it going? Just thinking about you. hope you're well. And you know, that's, that's what I like to do with my bridge patients because the, unfortunately some, some places you just get overloaded with a schedule. It's like, boom, boom, boom. And, and then it's almost, you spend so much time documenting that, you know, sometimes some of that stuff goes by the wayside. Uh, but I'm fortunate to be in a place that, you know, our PTs and our staff like really, really take care of the patients and care about their well-being and not just rushing them in rushing them out and checking up on them when they don't see them for a while so it's been good yeah that's cool all right well so there's sort of two things that i really felt like i wanted to ask you um and we can go with either one but when the the reason why i thought to ask you to come on the podcast other than you being super cool and uh entertaining uh <laughs> my sister we we recorded a little trial run podcast about a month ago and 
she started out by telling me that she had no passions of any kind and was bummed about that. But then at the end of the podcast, she was like, oh, wait, no, I'd like to be an athletic trainer. And so I was like, I know somebody like that. Maybe maybe you could, you know, come on here and, you know, maybe break down your journey towards that. What uh, so like. I guess me saying all that, I what I'm interested in is maybe you breaking down a little bit of how you got to be interested in that. Maybe what kind of personality would do well um, in a situation like that. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just your journey from you know there at your you know state championship winning soccer teams that you'd never shut up about uh, to <laughs> to where you're at now. Or we can talk about uh, specific. Uh, programs to uh, help me perform better at jiu-jitsu um, so uh, maybe probably would be better if you dove in a little <laughs> bit to your to your journey first yeah for sure we can touch base on a little bit now in jiu-jitsu I've, I'm, I'm limited on my exposure to jiu-jitsu I've only I will be honest I've only had one client one uh, one patient that that was heavy, still heavy, heavy into jujitsu. So Dang that's it, one man, what did I get you on here for? I know, I know. Like, if you want to talk about soccer, baseball, football, um, you know, all the sissy sports, uh, we could talk talk about that. But when you, I mean, I know enough about jujitsu. I know it's about leverage. I know you have to have a significant amount of muscular endurance, um, and you have to be able to isometrically contract these muscles for an extended period of time to hold people in place and maneuver them. Um, okay. Okay. That, so yeah, you might fair. be able to help me out then. You might be able to help that's me pretty, out. That's pretty fair uh, assessment. I mean, I think I, I understand enough. Uh, I'm not a total dummy. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I never thought well, you Well, let's were. dabble into both. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, start out your, uh, you know, you, you went, went to college at Montreat to start and somehow you went from God knows what it was you were trying to do back then to, to, to being <laughs> here now. So take us through a little bit of that. Yeah, man. So mine's, mine's not really, mine's kind of a bum journey. Like what? I, yeah, I was <laughs> Such a, a lie. <laughs> I was, I was a total, I was a total scrub. I, when I say bum, like me just being a bum and being lazy. Um, and pretty much happened to come upon athletic training by chance. So I went to Montreat, was last minute. Um, it was one of the few schools that had offered me, and our coaches had played college ball together. And, and it ha- also helped that Andrew Bauman um, was at Montreat, and he and my brother went way back to, like, second grade together in Florida. Um, so it was a crazy small world. Um and then when I stayed with Bauman, I was like, I got to go to Montreat. Like, this is this place is gorgeous, and um, it's a nice change of pace. But anyway, I went to Montreat to pretty much just play soccer, which was evident by my first semester GPA, um, <laughs> was, which was just atrocious. One it of my wasn't my friends, fault. Uh, no, it was, it was partly, but it was on me. My GPA uh, was your fault, but yours wasn't mine. Yeah. <laughs> well, my bro- one of my brother's buddies in college. Uh, when I came home that first semester, he goes, Cam, you went from a 4.7 GPA in all AP classes in high school to your next semester getting a 2.3. 
How is that humanly possible? Like I was the guy that was skipping an 8 a.m. class taught by the assistant athletic director. Like just no genius, no view of consequences whatsoever. Um, So I was basically just I was a tumbleweed. I was just doing something for the sake of doing it. Um, And I was like an international business major with a minor in Spanish. And then I got homesick. I wanted to be back in Florida. And so I was like, I'll go to Florida State. You know, it's cheap in-state tuition. I had scholarships. And I literally was flipping through the curriculum guide. And I was like, medicine would be cool. Like, I never got injured in my life. A lot of athletic trainers I know, they got injured playing sports. And they had to do rehab. And that's how they got into athletic training. Me, I was flipping through the curriculum guide, saw athletic training, had no idea what it was, read the description, said, that sounds really cool. I'll take the intro course and apply for the program. Um, and that's that's how I came into athletic training. I, I'd say it's probably just divine intervention. Like I was such an idiot that it's by the grace of God, I actually got into a job I enjoyed doing and loved doing. Um, so yeah, the more I, I took an intro class, we had to apply for the program and had to go through an interview and, you know, my, my philosophy back then was if I could get to the interview, I've got them. Yeah. I I'll get in even with <laughs> a, yep. a okay GPA. Um, and you know, I had thought of questions they might ask and I was like, you know what, they're going to ask me from a two, three, then to a three, five then the next semester a two five and then back to a four oh like why the roller coaster and you know explain that and told them and I was like look I'm I've got a goal here. I want to be an athletic trainer. Don't let those crummy semesters don't hold those against me. Like I'm gonna work hard for you. I'm gonna bust my butt because that's athletic trainers you just gotta be able to, you gotta be able to work hard and not hurt your patient or your athlete any more than they already are um you know I, i'd say that's that's a that's a people might listen to this and get really mad at that um i'm not saying athletic trainers are dumb and you don't have to be educated yes you have to know the human body very well you have to know how the body responds to various uh stimuli you have to understand the natures of injuries and the healing process um but you have to be able to grind and just yeah. work ungodly hours for yes. not the greatest amount of pay. Are there jobs that make less? Yes. But you've got to want to put other people's needs first and just be able to do some really grunt work, crappy stuff like filling coolers and filling water bottles and dealing with obnoxious parents, uh, dealing with whiny kids. And, and somehow trying to make an impact on it. So it's, it's tough. So that's what that's, I got into the program. Um, I got in a semester late. Um, I blame it on my, uh, my advisor who didn't tell me I had to take this spring only course. So I ended up taking it spring of my junior year, had to do an extra two extra victory laps. So, um, so that was fine. Got the couple extra more football seasons in Tallahassee was awesome. Uh, hanging out at uh, Bullwinkles and the various AJs and various bars in town and joining a fraternity, which that was bad for my GPA too. Uh, 
but I finally got on the right track, got into grad school at ECU. Um, that's kind of, that was kind of the path back then, like undergrad AT program, get a graduate assistantship at another university, which pretty much gives you two years professional experience. Um, and you get to work with some, some big time athletes and get your master's in something relatable. Um, a lot of times people do exercise phys, exercise science. Um, ours was uh, exercise science with sport management program. So I, I liked that just because I got to see some of the, some of the business end of athletics and how to manage coaches, how to manage a team, how to manage uh, athletic departments and things like that. So that was a, that was a good experience. You were working so with the my, football team there? Yeah, so I worked with, shoot, so let's see, I think back at East Carolina, I worked, I was primarily in charge of uh, both the co-ed and all-girl cheerleading squads, and then I was, You definitely didn't like that. That was terrible. It was, it was, (laughs) no, it was fun. They were a good, they were a good group. Um, I had, you know, it was, it was a fun time. Um. They were fun to work with. And people are people like, oh, you worked with cheerleading. That's lame. No, these girls are tumbling across uh, the field. They're doing gymnastics types maneuvers. Some of the injuries were just horrific. Fractured pelvis, ACLs. Yeah, they're real cheerleaders, though. I think most people assume you're talking about, like, high school girls with some pom-poms and a bleacher. Oh, no. These these girls were – and the guys were just straight athletes – um, and so it was, it definitely opened my eyes to the sport. Um, and I'll call it a sport, even, even though it's subjectively judged, um, there's another topic we used to talk about in grad school all the time. Like what defines a sport? Um, I throw cheerleading in there, even though it's a subjective scoring system. Um, but yeah, I, I was working with them. I was primarily their, their main athlete trainer. I covered, uh, home football games. So I'd help with treatments and then help on the sideline for home games. And then I also took care of men's and women's tennis. Uh, Actually, it was men's and women's tennis and cheerleading together. And then one semester I had uh, track and field um, that I shared with another athletic trainer. So unfortunately, ECU just cut their uh, tennis and swim team. So kind of annoyed and frustrated by that but that was a that was a good time I learned a lot from those athletes and um so that was those were the teams I worked with the first year and then the second year I moved out to a local high school um you know which was which was good had a a good mix of people a lot of super low low income um where I would pick kids up from their house which was actually a a shack with no windows to ranging to kids that were very wealthy driving $60,000 $60,000 trucks to school. So yeah, so it was a good amount of diversity uh, in that high school I worked, I worked with. And so it was, it was a good experience. So other than me, who were the best natural athletes that you were ever around then? Shoot. Apart from you. Oh, golly. Florida state had some good ones. Um, gosh, I was working with the football team as a student there when uh, EJ Manuel was a QB. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christian Ponder um, was there. I uh, remember going up to Boston College and getting beat by uh, Maddie Ice 
and uh yeah boston college that was a that was a fun trip i'd never ridden on a chartered uh flight before with freaking steaks on the way up to boston that was pretty sweet that's sweet. um yeah so it wasn't, wasn't bad as an athletic training student uh getting to kind of live the life and see how uh these elite teams travel um of course every game wasn't like that but um I mean, they, they had some, gosh, we had some good athletes up there. And then, oh, women's soccer team at Florida State at, worked with them for a semester. Stop they were, it. <laughs> they were great, man. Didn't you play little, with them a bit? Yeah, I was a little practice player. Uh, the head coach, uh, Coach Krikorian, <laughs> um, heard that, I guess, the head athlete trainer who's now the, she's the, uh, Robin Gibson, the director of sports medicine there, um, was is the athlete trainer for the women's soccer team. And I guess she had mentioned that, I played a year in college, and so at practice, he was like, hey, Cam, you know, tomorrow, uh, bring your boots and uh, be ready to play. And I was like, okay, sweet. Um, <laughs> so it was fun. Those, I'll tell you, those ladies, if you went in soft on a tackle, they would get livid. Yeah. Um, I won't mention the player, but she was a center back, and she plays um, in the NWSL uh, now. I went in kind of like a pansy on a 50 50 ball uh, not like you I, man i know i, well, I didn't want to i didn't want to hurt anybody i'm like this it was a, they were top four team in the country then you would have people to fix why not yeah yeah break them and then i fix them um so i i didn't want to go in super hard so she knew i kind of pansied out on the tackle and she dog cussed me for about <laughs> 20 seconds and <laughs> called me some some names and was like don't you ever you know, go soft on a tackle like that. And I mean, we, we were around each other a bunch. So it, you know, she knew that she could fuss at me a little bit and I wasn't getting upset about it. So I was like, okay. So the next 50, 50 ball, I just decleated her shoulder to shoulder and just leveled her and everyone was laughing and, and she pops up and was like, okay, see, that's how you go in. She's like, we're not going to get any better if you go soft on us. I said, okay, I'll, I'll keep it within reason. <laughs> That's funny. Those uh, are a bunch of stories like that. You're such a schmoozer, though. How can you go from Florida State football team and then have mention this girls' soccer team in the same sentence? That's just – you're such a schmoozer. You, you just got to please everybody. <laughs> you asked me to talk about the elite athletes I worked with, and they were the best. I said who were the best, most natural athletes, and you went from the football team <laughs> – the freak of all freak athletes to the girls' soccer team. <laughs> Come on now. Bro. No man, one good. believes you anymore. You've lost yeah, all credibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go – shoot, you go out there and practice with those with those girls. Golly, I get my butt whooped day in and day out. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't happen to me, but I also couldn't, you know, catch a football in front of some of these dudes. So That's true. Some it's of the, the things that they would – do on the on the football field I, I went down to Gainesville I didn't really have a true appreciation for football players until especially SEC football players until we went over to Gainesville and I'm on the sideline and everyone behind us the whole student section they're like water boy hey water boy so it was just just humiliating <laughs> um, and we weren't that good and, and they had Tebow was a quarterback I think they had oh, the Pouncey wow. twins at that yeah. point um and so we had this play freaking tebow 
rolls left towards our sideline and just drops his shoulder and levels a dude that tried to tackle him. And so he kind of ran out of bounds and he was maybe like five feet from me. Then one of our little corners, uh, little DBs, he was a mouthy one, cool dude, but he was a little mouthy and a really tiny fella looks up at him and starts barking at Tebow. And Tebow just had this look of just, he looked possessed. I mean, I wouldn't (laughs) want to get in front of this guy with a football and seeing how big their linemen were and how big he was compared to what they look like on TV. Yeah. I was like, golly, this is SEC football, man. This was, it was unreal. And the things they put their bodies through is, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I remember being pulled out of high school, uh, by the old principal um, went with his kids they were huge Florida State fans and we went to see them arrive at the hotel when they were up playing Wake Forest and I that was the first time I ever realized that like I wasn't even an athlete it was just like (laughs) I think that's when any self-confidence I had just started just completely disappearing from me I think that was like (laughs) the early senior year while I was supposed to be confidently playing soccer I saw these guys I'm like this is this is not right something is very unfair about this world (laughs) well then I saw you play left back up at Montreat and it just confirmed all your uh all your doubts about yourself yeah (laughs) yeah I'm kidding I'm kidding you're you're not kidding though that's the thing that's the thing. You're yeah. not kidding. I didn't Those have a whole lot of really talk. I have some excuses, but what's the point? You know. You had you had that surgery on your ankle, which yeah. you, you come down to Clearwater and get it infected by <laughs> going into ocean water. Um, so that was awesome. So that was my first foray into taking care of people. Um, uh, yeah, you're you welcome. Know, like, Dang, what an inspiration yeah. I am. So I'll just I'll just chalk it all up to that injury was what. Drove me. I'm pretty sure you stayed the hell away from me, and your mom helped me. But you know, we'll we'll pretend. That's true. My mom still thinks that you like you hate her guts for some reason. I don't hate your mom. That's what like I remember she was telling me some story. It was like you know I I said something, and he just gave me the dirtiest look. Like he thought I was crazy, and I'm like, Mom, that's just Anthony. He just that's just a look. That's just what I look like. That's why nobody has told me yet to put a mask on, because it just looks like I should. I'm gonna eat them or something. I don't know. Dude, you just a just a mean looking dude. I was like, he just looks at everybody that way. I don't mean. I don't. I don't mean to. It's just how I'm just like that. I just look that way. It's from being sad as a child, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's it's uh, imprinted on your face. Yeah, I'm a happy dude. I'm very happy dude, except for when I'm not. <laughs> but yes. Yeah. Uh, so where were we? You okay? So you went to ECU, right? Yep, yep. So I ended up getting my master's there. Finished up. Um, I was dating a girl who was from Charlotte. Of course, all bad decisions are made based on relationships and you know, some girl, it always starts, oh, some girl, I made a poor decision. Um, So she was, uh, she was a student at ECU from Charlotte, but she was uh, a decent amount younger than me, I think like four, four or five years younger. So she's still an undergrad. I'm finishing up grad school and I'm like, well, heck, I don't want to go to Florida. Like we're still together. Like maybe there'll be uh, some possibilities here. Um, and so I was like, Charlotte seems like a cool city. I'll, I'll apply for jobs there. So I applied for uh, 
jobs with both of the major players in the the healthcare world here, the two major hospitals, and who had athletic trainers. And I was like, I'll, I'll do a high school gig. And because uh, in North Carolina, being an athletic trainer in a high school is is great. They the state has really pushed having athletic trainers in the high school system. So in a lot of states around the country can't say that. So North Carolina, they've kind of led the charge to uh, take care of high school athletes and understand that high school kids get injured as well and need uh, uh, a medical professional on the sideline to take care of them. So, um, so I was like, heck, I'll stay in, I'll go to Charlotte. So I was fortunate to get offered a job by both of them. Um, and then I just got to pick. Um, so I picked one and stayed here, uh, worked in the high school for two years, uh, built some relationships with a private PT company here and thought, you know, I need to build up my, my rehab chops. Like that's something that being in the high school, being the head guy by myself, not having anyone to bounce ideas off of other than just doing continuing ed. I was like, I need, I need to be with a team. I want to learn some more and get more into the rehab. So I spent a year at a, at a rehab place here in Charlotte, um, seeing patients from little kids to, again, to elderly and pro athletes. There was a place that they, they've got pro athletes coming in all the time. So it was pretty cool experience. Got homesick, started kind of dating my now wife long-term or uh, not long-term, long distance. And uh, pretty much, came to the point like I can't build a relationship with her I need to get back to Florida got a job in Florida was promised some things didn't come to fruition I said I'll give you to the end of the school year and that's where I started kind of doing the combination performance and athletic training um crazy situation I was I was like the essentially the head coach for the football team the entire spring semester I was there because they fired the coach and the booster club was like look we'll we'll pay you to run spring ball and run the weight room. I said, okay, that sounds, that sounds good. Uh, I'll do that. So I was the only coach they had on staff for a couple months, um, which that was wild. So at the end of the school year, I had gotten a couple calls um, from uh, the hospital system up here in Charlotte uh, about some opportunities. And finally, Danielle, my, my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, was like, look, you're miserable down here. Uh, I'll you move to Florida for me. I'll move back. To, I'll move to Charlotte for you. Uh, so we came back after a year, and that was what 2017, I think. Yeah, 2017. Um, and we opened up two performance rehab facilities here in Charlotte. We had partnered with Exos, which is a uh, uh, a performance uh, company based out of Arizona. Um, does a lot of work with NFL Combine stuff. All athletes, but NFL Combine is a big, big part of their pie. Um, and now we're, we're running it ourselves. Uh, we're no longer partnered with them. Uh, we just have uh, our two performance rehab facilities. And I work in the South Market facility as uh, the clinical athletic trainer for that facility. But then I'm also the director of performance for our local USL championship uh, soccer team. So that's kind of what takes up most of my, my job now. Uh, is working with the USL team, and I'll I'll preface this: if we end up talking about other topics other than work, 
my opinions are my own. They're not representative of the, <laughs> the opinions of uh, my employer or the team I or the team that I work for. Um, you know, so uh, if anyone hears this and wants to write a letter, I'd be happy to talk about that. But who knows? Maybe I'll just have to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll stay away from too many controversial things. It's all good, man. Yeah, you guys I'm got sure, it covered I'm on the last sure episode. Have put... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we went deep on the whole controversy. That's for sure. Um, so what when it comes to the soccer team you're working with, what is that? What does that look like as far as training them, uh, strength and conditioning stuff? Like, do they all uh, do they all do the same stuff? Do they do it end of it by player, or how does that go? Yeah, so a little bit uh, positionally. Um, obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna train my keepers, uh, you know, a little bit different uh, than you know my 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 wingers or my backs. Um, so it that is a interesting how I got into this position. Um, it was kind of handed to me on a silver platter, and I didn't screw up the first year. Um, me and the, the other athlete, the athletic trainer who takes care of the uh, the medical side, also named Cam. So uh, Team Cam uh, came through for the for the team. And uh, that's not really your little, name though. So yeah, I know it's Matthew, but whatever. Um, you know, which did confuse me in the beginning. Let's don't forget. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll come back to that story. That's a good one. Uh, um, I'll come back to that. But anyway, we. Uh, you know, the part of the contract, we provide the medical services for the club. And so with our partnership with, with Exos at the time, part of the contract was providing uh, the performance director. And and so they had one. And then when I came in, um, you know, I filled that role. And the first year, you know, we, we had the lowest medical bill um, since the club started, which, you know, isn't, isn't, I'm not saying that's, directly a cause of my work uh but i think creating the culture of um this is what we need to do to take care of our bodies and working closely closely with our athletic trainer and our coaches we were able to minimize a lot of uh musculoskeletal injuries that we were seeing the previous year um so it was it was it was fun um so i didn't screw up and so the head coach was like you know we'd like to have you back this year um and, and then, of course, COVID just ruins uh, ruins everything. But uh, pretty much what I do is I design their off-field programs. Um, you know, I design their, their warm-ups and their conditioning, depending on what day it is. We usually do a four-day lead-in to games. Um, and there's, you know, performance coaches, especially in the soccer world, have various ways they like to periodize the week and the, the very, each microcycle and then the whole season. Um, and so depending on what day it is, if it's match day, minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one, et cetera, um, you know, I would, I would pretty much design the, the passing pattern or the workout or the, the warm up to transition them into that practice and what we're trying to work on and develop in that practice. Um, and then they're off field, uh, workouts in the weight, in the weight facility, weight room facility. Um, basically in season, I'm just wanting to maintain the strength they have. So I, I didn't crush them with a lot of volume. We're not looking at a lot of high volume sets. Um, we're 
keeping it simple. I, I simple is the best way to go. We squat, we trap bar deadlift. Uh, we get some upper body work. We do a lot of hip and core stability, um, adductor strengthening, hamstring strengthening. Um, and we'll usually get two, two weight room sessions, um, during the week. I usually like to do minus, uh, usually minus four and minus two. Um, and, uh, on a normal week, if we have a Saturday game, obviously it changes if we go Saturday, Wednesday or Wednesday, Saturday, uh, during the week, the weight room schedule changes. Um, but yeah. They what do you base that? Uh, what do you base the, the weight room, uh, like what you do in the weight room on, like as far, do you just base it on how close it is to the game or how, do, how does that work? Right. So, I mean, you, you look at how the body recovers and what their training load is during practice. And so, um, you know, if we're say, for example, I've got I've got you in the weight room and we had a you know pretty heavy practice the day before. And, you know, I, I throw in a set of uh, kettlebell squats and you're only doing, you know, three or four reps at like super moderate weight, even like 50, 60 percent of what would be considered a one RM or whatnot, you're not going to really get much out of that. So I usually base it on volume. Um, you're going to break down that muscle a lot more with higher volume sets, right? So yeah. I like to go heavy in the season, but I also have to base it on how they feel that day. What are their, um, their RPEs, uh, the rate of perceived exertions. That's how we track. We're kind of low budget. Um, didn't get a lot of money for uh, the, GPS systems that I wanted. Um, yeah. So I have to kind of go old school and just do session RPEs and, and track. Uh, we were able to use an app um, that would help us track that a little bit. And so I've got a guy that, oh gosh, his, his left hamstring's killing him. Well, okay, I'm probably not going to do any Nordic hamstrings or, um, you know, physio ball leg curls that day, right? Um, so it, it's kind of a, a fluid situation. Like I have uh, my outline plan that is moderate to heavy, heavy weight, you know, working heavy weight with low, low volume. And, um, and then we just kind of have to adjust on the fly. It just depends on how they feel that morning. Um, yeah. so you got to get creative. That's, that's probably the, the hardest part is getting creative when you have something planned and then you have guys that respond differently to the previous day's training session. Um, so it's a, it's kind of, it's kind of a it's, fluid situation, which keeps you on your toes. Yeah. So is is volume heavy weight? Is that you know you you talked about maintaining them during the season? They got like low volume heavy weight is the best way to maintain, or is that sort of how does that work? Right. Right. So maintaining or building strength. You know, obviously you're going to have a natural adaptation. Say I take an untrained individual and we're working 50. You know, the classic bodybuilder. Uh, weight scheme, you know, 50 to 65%, four sets of 12 reps, um, more of what you call a hypertrophy, quote unquote, uh, rep scheme. Someone is going to get, if I take an untrained athlete, they're going to get stronger. But obviously the, the, the research shows that, you know, when you push those, those limits and you're working in that 85, 90, 95, 100%, quote, one RM in a lower volume, you have to you have to tax the body for the body to adapt. So you have to train heavier loads. Um, yeah. 
And so, one RM is one rep max, right? Max. For all of the right. uninitiated. Right, right. <coughs> we don't really do. Um, I'm not going to do one one RM testing with my guys. We did a. We kind of did a estimated one RM um, with a with a, a three rep max. Um, I don't back squat them during the season. Um, so I try not to load that spine so much. Um, we don't, we don't really go past parallel on, on the squats in season, you know, try to save the knees a little bit. Um, cause they're already getting enough, enough, uh, impact on their, on their legs as it is. Um, but they get broken down, right? They get broken down in practice. I got to build them back up. And if we're continually training at a certain level, they're breaking down. They're not being built back up. And so they just keep breaking down, breaking down over. You may not see it the first month, but middle of the season, end of the season, you start seeing guys with, with hamstring stuff, adductor stuff, um, you know, a little tendonitis. And, and so we didn't, we didn't have that last year. We had a couple rare cases, but I mean, for the most part, everyone stayed pretty healthy, but, but like, that's kind of what I, what I base it on. I, off the training loads that the coaches want during practice, the RPE we want them to be at for minus four, minus three, how they respond to their, their questionnaires each day, um, talk about how they feel, how well they slept, um, life stressors. Um, we'll modify the gym, uh, the weight room stuff accordingly. Um, usually, if anything, I, I would, with the higher volume, I might do on a minus four earlier in the week, might get a slightly higher volume um, workout. And then the minus two will be a little, little heavier, um, low volume. Huh. Interesting. Um, and so you're responsible for the physical side of keeping them healthy. Is there uh, anything that you have to do with nu- the nutrition side, or do they have a nutritionist or somebody like that involved? We did. So part of our partnership, we had a. Uh, performance uh, dietitian. So we had a registered dietitian on staff um, who would provide uh, nutritional guidance. So for me, I stick to macros, you know, carbs, proteins, and fats. That's kind of, that's my lane as an athletic trainer and uh, strength and conditioning coach. Macronutrients, I stay in that lane religiously. I don't veer out of it. Um, if you want to start talking about the bioavailability of X, Y, and Z and how one food affects the, you know, bioavailability of this nutrient, that's, that's outside my scope. We've got yeah. someone who is highly trained in that, um, that I'll refer guys to. Um, but you know, they, they always ask you, well, you know, what, what should a solid lunch look like? What, you know, what should I be eating for dinner? I'm like, okay, well, here's some options for you. Um, you know, you don't need to be eating cookout in, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A every day, right. but, um, it's, it's tough, man. Cause it, at this level, they're not making tons of money. And so right. a lot of them have other jobs and you gotta be mindful of that as well. Um, so we do, we do the best we can for them, uh, with the resources we have and we've done all right. Yeah. Uh, well, you were mentioning there that they, your first year there, they had far less injury. And even though you weren't really trying to toot your own horn um, and and attribute that to yourself completely, I would assume that 
you know, you do actually think that some of the, the things that you implemented there helped out. And uh, as far as nutrition, if them, them having a nutritionist, is there any noticeable um, decrease in injury um, when somebody like that's involved in comparison to, you know, them just kind of winging it on their own? Or is there anything you know about that? No, no, I can tell you that, yes, um, you know, your nutrition and your hydration that absolutely directly affects your performance. You could take a clone, two, you know, a clone of one person, feed them McDonald's um, for the week, and the other guy is, you know, eating a well-balanced, well-programmed, um, on a well-programmed meal plan. The guy, the guy on the well-planned uh, nutrition plan is going to perform better because he's feeding. Think of it like fuel for an engine. Um, you know, you put crap fuel in a car in a performance vehicle, uh, you're going to get crap performance out of that engine. You put high yeah. quality uh, fuel in it, it's going to perform how it's designed. Our body's designed to perform at high levels. Um, yeah. And and so I didn't track. We actually tracked. Um, you know, we. We last year we we tracked the injury rates and uh, looked at the attendance. So that's another thing. Uh, you know, attendance attendance wasn't mandatory in the in the weight room. Um, uh, huh. That's a that's a discussion for a, maybe another day. Um, Interesting. Uh, you know, different different trains of thought. You know, I'm not the boss. I'm 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 not the the manager. So it took a little while. Um, so we tracked you know injury rates and attendance and you could tell the guys that weren't putting in the effort and in doing that you'd see they would come to the athletic trainer more frequently they had more missed practices uh, more missed minutes in games um it took me about a year because we had a lot of guys that were like i don't need to lift weights i don't i'm not a football player well okay so i had to <laughs> i had to change the mindset like that really i was thrown in the deep end of the pool and i had to understand and learn really quickly and i don't have all the answers i'm still constantly learning and evolving as a coach um that there's an art to coaching i need to get them to trust me to be able to do um what i want them to do um and i need to convince them that what i want them to do is going to benefit them on the field so it took a while it took a good daggum it took me a good year and a half to kind of get them where I wanted to where guys were buying in, they were seeing results. And then like, Oh, Cam, that those sprint mechanic uh, mechanics drills that we were doing in the off season. Like I noticed, man, I'm on the field. Like I feel I got a little extra pop in my step. I, I feel nice. quicker. And I'm like, well, you know, ding, ding, ding. It's, you know, light bulb lightning just struck my brain. Um, so go tell everybody. I was, I told him, I was like, can you just tell your cohorts that, you know, just to, just to listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we've, we've, funny. we've gotten the buy-in um, and, and gotten the buy-in of the, the staff. You know, we had some old school, some kind of new school, old school mindsets clashing a little bit and kind of had to have a little give and take uh, to, to get people that's where we were. That's funny that that's still a thing all these years later. Like, I remember, you know, playing in college and it was – it was always it wasn't really debated, but it was definitely a source of uh, confrontation that we were, you know, some places we were made to be in the weight room and doing extra fitness and other places that wasn't 
necessarily the case. You know, yeah, but it's, it's it's strange to think that we're what ten or thirteen years later or whatever, fifteen, dang, fifteen years later, and uh, right, that's yeah. still still not a mainstay in the soccer world. That's that's strange. Well, I, I probably could have handled this one one situation different. I had a coach at one point. Um, we were kind of going back and forth on fat loss. We had a guy that needed to cut some weight, um, and he was obsessed with getting this kid's weight cut. And I'm like, well, and he's like, I, I want to do daily weigh-ins. And I said, Coach, uh, you know, uh, weight is a that's, that's a poor performance indicator. And that's been researched and proven time and time again. Someone's weight doesn't isn't a good performance indicator. Like he might be a little chunky. A little heavy, but if he can perform and do what we need him to do, okay. But so he was obsessed with getting this guy to lose weight. And so we were kind of going back and forth over how to best do that. Well, all the while, this kid is eating food from the QT gas station every freaking day for dinner and, <laughs> and drinking grape soda. I mean, he was, he was from, from uh, Europe. I won't, I won't say what country. Um, I want to get, you know, I want to give it away, but he was from, from Europe and it's like, it was, it was like a kid in the candy shop. You just saw QT gas station food, tasted it once. It was like, I got to eat it all the time. So <laughs> shoot, man, I could run this guy all day and he's still just going to be a pork chop. Um, yeah. And so we went back and forth. And so the coach was like, well, you know, when I was going through school, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, this is, uh, you know, how we were taught and best way to lose, to lose fat. And so I asked him, I said, coach, well, what year were you in school? And he said, <laughs> And he said 2000. He kind of had this like smirk on his face because he knew where I was going. And he goes 2000. And I said, well, coach, that's 20, you know, 19, 20 years ago. Um, we do things a lot differently than we did back in 2000. I mean, sure, there's some similar things, but we've come a long way in 20 years. You know, we used to rehab ACLs back in the day by keeping the leg immobilized for three, three months. Heck, we know now that is a terrible thing to do um so they're trying to get other people to evolve like that's my mindset in coaching i have to go at it with with a one a healthy amount of confidence but also a very healthy dose of humility that i can learn from anybody like i gotta learn i if anyone has some tidbits that i can use and so i gotta be humble enough to know i don't have all the answers and, and he sparked me. He did. He, he kind of, it was good in the fact that he was always challenging me and questioning me because he didn't, I, he didn't know me. He knew me for two weeks before I came on and, um, didn't trust me. So hmm. he would challenge me all the time. Well, shoot, what do you think I did? I, instead of just getting beat down, I'm like, I got to be on top of my game. I need to know the latest. I need to know what the latest research says. I need to have a well thought out plan. And so it did, it, it helped improve me in terms of being a coach and knowing I need to have some answers. I need to be able to talk, speak intelligently with a coach and explain to him why um, we do certain things, but then also to make myself a better coach. And then in turn, I'll take care of my, I'll be able to better take care of my athletes and help them perform at a higher level. So um, we got to, got to be able to evolve so that was one of those tricky professional experiences that like you know me i'm i was a pretty hot-headed fella um, no I, way 
So I no. had to, yeah. So you know me to be able to bite my tongue and just be like, okay, coach, well let's 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 maybe meet after practice and talk about it yeah. in a calm way. Like, good grief, talk about personal growth. Jeez. Yeah, man, that's well done on your part for sure. I've I've seen it go the other way with you. <laughs> Shoot, man, you should have seen it on Sunday. I had a guy, my neighbor, parked in my yard and. That escalated quickly. I had to, I had to. In your, in your grass? In my grass, in my grass, buddy. <laughs> and this is the second time, and I about <laughs> lost my mind. I was, I was calm at first, and the guy just wanted to escalate it. And I'm like, bro, I don't understand why you're yelling at me and literally trying to fight me in my front yard right now. But, <laughs> but get your truck off my grass. Why <laughs> would he wild. be parking in your yard? What was his reasoning behind that? Okay, quick little aside. Yeah, so I have a, I have about 0.8 acres. It's a corner lot. There's a bus stop at the corner. Um, and so when we first moved in, people would uh, park on the grass at the bus stop if it was raining. And I'm like, who are these people? But then I come to find out I've got a fire hydrant on the corner of my yard. So technically, I think, based on my research, technically, the it's city access from like eight feet or 10 feet in from the road um, around the property. And so that's for if the water people need to get to the fire hydrant, emergency vehicles, X, Y, and Z, that's not for my neighbors to park on. Um, and so they thought it was. So my other, my other neighbors, I, I asked them not to do it anymore and they never did it again. This guy comes barging down. It's public access. I'm allowed to park there. You don't understand. I tried to tell the people that lived here before you because of the fire hydrant, that's public access. I can park there. And I was like, buddy, do I maintain the grass? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, then you need to get off my, off my yard. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Get off my lawn. I, I, I felt like, uh, what's his face in uh, Gran Torino. Um, yeah. Uh, except yeah, I didn't, I you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a right, uh, Clint Eastwood. I yeah. didn't have a firearm on me at the time. Um, my wife was on the porch, was like, oh, gosh, this is, you know, this is great. <laughs> and so I told him, like, to get off. And he, he responds with, uh, he he had his fist clenched the entire time. He's a little Napoleon. And he turns around and bows up his chest. He goes, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, is, is this real life? <laughs> and so... It escalated for a hot second. Fortunately, his dad, whose truck it was, came down and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move the truck. I'm gonna move the truck." And I'm like, "Well, well, good, because you just put ruts in my yard." And then the the wife was like, "It's gonna take a lot more than that to put ruts in the yard." And I'm like, "Well, clearly it's not, because I see two big freaking ruts from your truck tires." Like, I know the grass doesn't look great now, but I'm trying to get it fixed up at some point this fall, and I would appreciate not having to re-level all the rooms you put in. That's hilarious. So Always got temper, people you know, antagonizing you. <laughs> I know. Long story short, like, I maybe five years ago, I might have just hauled off and just knocked them out, but, you know, we got to de-escalate, baby. You got to, you can't, you can't can't fix stupid uh with a bunch of violence no you can't but it sure is fun to try <laughs> we tried that speaking of we, we tried that in the the common dorm bathroom that one night yeah we did that was yes probably, we did we did other probably, things in that bathroom too i don't know if you remember well 
you don't well one that sounds if without proper context that yes i know well you know we can leave it as gay as that sounds but that's not really how people might get the wrong idea hey i'm not i'm not saying that's wrong if you you know you want to do that sort of thing that's your life i mean that's just not how anthony and i roll Um, (laughs) that's not what we did in the bathroom (laughs) we we tried to get a we got a scuffle going in there and i'm not gonna lie back then i needed to learn how to keep my mouth shut because you would have Coming from the streets of Glasgow, you would have killed me. Uh, I would have killed you just because I would have snapped first and probably thrown the first punch. But if we're talking about skills of any kind, I was way, way below what was necessary to, to do anything to anybody. I, I'm just talking about in sheer ferocity and strength and fight and just knowing how to fight somebody. Yeah, you you would have you would have. I was ready for it. Career. I was ready for it to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I wish I had. Uh, you know, good thing we just kind of backed away. <laughs> yeah, I for sure. I whooped. Well, I don't know. It would it would have not been good for either one of us. But speaking though of uh, kind of gay, uh, <laughs> you you used to stand in the bedroom naked right behind me and uh, right. There was a time where that would make me very, very uncomfortable, um, and uh, that time is gone now. That time is very much gone. I, I like to spend most of my days touching other dudes, so yeah, it is what well, it is. Well, they, uh, yeah, you, you no, broke me in, you know. <laughs> well, that's my brother would come home from college, and he would do those. He would he would come home, and and I'd turn the corner to be sitting there with his pants down and like mooning me and. <laughs> And it's like college fraternity house stuff. So like my older yeah. brother's doing it. I'm like, that's fun. So I'd sit and play FIFA naked. Like I just thought that was normal to just hang out in the dorm <laughs> <room> naked. <laughs> but apparently it wasn't. Oh was God. Yeah. Yeah. Naked right beside your massive pile of clothes that you never put away. Yeah, and about 10 uh, Copenhagen spit bottles. And... Yes, that too. I always tell people about that whenever I see them dipping. Oh, man. For anyone what listening, a... I don't dip anymore, blah, blah, blah. How can that's... you be a healthcare professional? And that's because you got tobacco? mouth cancer. I hope That's because I, I I you ended up, because this isn't a video, we can just pretend that you ended up like that uh, MTV commercial with the jacked up face. I already have a jacked up face. It can't get well, much worse. <laughs> a, a jacked up face from surgery, rather not not from birth. Well, it's funny. My wife, before she was my wife, used to randomly send me pictures because she was a communications major at uh, or communication disorder uh, major at UCF, and she would text me pictures of stuff they were learning about in in class and it would be faces missing jaws missing and i'd be sitting there after work with a massive chaw in there i mean i was <laughs> just yams all day just that's what we used to call it. we used to toss in a yam i don't even know why we called it that but my lip i could barely talk i had so much copenhagen in and i would get this text and would just ruin my buzz and i'm like well i'm gonna spit this out now but then you did it some more anyway. Yeah. Did you, re- did you really quit or is that just that's just you saying it for health reasons, health no, professional reasons? No, I did. I, did, um, I kind of I, – I relapsed, so to speak. I got The virus I, got you to relapse? No, not during the Rona. <laughs> not during the Rona. Um, I, uh, last year, 
I was, I was dipping and I would, if in between patients, if I had an hour to kill, I would just go out to my truck, turn on the AC and throw a dip in for 30 minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> this is, this is ridiculous. And so, um, and on top of it, I, I, I'm, I love smoking cigars. I used to work, I, my weekend job was, uh, working at the cigar shop, local cigar shop, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to, uh, tobacco and, and cigars and, and things like that. And so I was like, heck, you know, I've read that when people stop dipping, they can taste more when uh, when either they have cigars or they drink wine or whiskey, a big whiskey guy. And so <laughs> it's sad. That was kind of my determining. I was like, get rid of one vice to better enjoy two other vices. Did it work? It did. It did. I like I'm, I'm pretty much a connoisseur on all fronts now. Uh, nice. So that's kind of fun. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek, you know, I, I like to pretend I'm a connoisseur, um, <laughs> but I do sometimes I do the little non-tobacco nicotine, uh, little pouches you stick in your upper lip. Uh, what is it? Uh, Zen, uh, Z Y N. I have no idea. Yeah. They're little, it's like little pouches that have salt, uh, nicotine and flavoring in it. And so, it's it's tobacco free, but uh, you know, sometimes I get a little stressed, you know, and just throwing a little pouch and yeah, a little less stressed. <laughs> my my papa here, my parents' house, uh, he smokes these those Swisher Sweet cigars, just your little ninety nine cent two pack thing. Ooh. And uh, I, lately, I've been I've been dabbling in that a little bit with him and. It's definitely not the best thing. I really need to uh, get back in the old swing of things as far as being in the gym twice a day because I think that'll hold me accountable from, you know, burning up my lungs that way. But for yeah. now, for now, I'm going to keep smoking them, so don't even try to stop me. <laughs> Look, moderation, but, man, it's, you know, I'm not, we're not elite athletes. I mean, shoot, even Cam Newton smokes cigars and many high level athletes can smoke cigars, you know, they're not smoking four a day, but yeah. you know, occasional cigar to de-stress. We had a, I had a cardiologist that used to come into my shop. Um, and actually let me know if, uh, the sound goofs up cause it's starting to rain. And if I need to go inside, let me know. Um, uh, yeah, I only started noticing it now that you're saying something, but it's all good as long as we're chit chatting. Yeah. But I, had, I had a cardiologist that would come in. He's a regular customer and, he said he was like, you know, this cigar once a day does more to decrease my stress than any prescription medicine I can take. And I'm like, well, that's just one of the doctor's opinion, but uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> that's funny. I'm on board with it. Yeah, you always go with the authority figure that agrees with you the most. That's what I do. Yeah, you know, confirmation bias, man. Anybody who says they don't do that is a liar. Yes, yes. We love some confirmation bias. For sure, for sure. Um, well, let me be real selfish here and, uh, and, and get your opinion on what I should be doing. Because um, let's say I wanted to fight, not that uh, – or let's say I had an event in six months' time. And I wanted yeah. to be, uh, I wanted to be stronger, but also faster. What sort of athletic, what sort of program as far as exercise should I, should I work on? Like, 
and let's say I have time to do that maybe once a day, um, I would also be, you know, hitting pads or hitting the heavy bag um, and also grappling, you know, an hour or two a day. So aside from, you know, maybe probably two and a half hours of other training, like what, what else could I do in your opinion that would help me be where I wanted to be six months from now? 33 years old, super athlete, all those things, you know, that is, that is a multifaceted question that one, there's a lot of ways you could go about it. I'm a simple guy. You want to get stronger, you lift heavy. Uh, you want to move faster, move weight faster. Um, you know, really breaking it down to simple, simple things. You want to get faster, uh, maybe on the soccer field, go do 15 yard sprint intervals. You'll get faster, right? Um, so you want to increase speed, move, just move, move quicker. Um, and your body's, your, your neural adaptations are going to happen. Um, that's what I try to explain to my athletes. Um, you want to get stronger, you know, if we want to talk specific lifts, um, lower body strength. Okay. The squat is back squats. The best thing you can do. If, um, I usually go front squat and then progress to back squat, um, and make sure those mechanics are are fine and then start loading the bar. Um, you got to make sure those movement patterns are fine first, because you start loading weight you start ingraining poor movement patterns. Um, so it's kind of hard, like, to say exactly what you should do. Cause I haven't seen you, I haven't seen you move or do anything and Lord knows how long. Well, Um, I invite you to do some jujitsu, bro. I mean, come on, I'll show you how to, I'll show you how to move. I would love to do that, but the whole, that's why I didn't wrestle. It's like the whole getting all up close, sweaty skin, rubbing and rolling around on a mat. So you could literally put your dick on my shoulder, but you won't wrestle dudes. (laughs) You gotta bring, you gotta bring that up. I mean, I would be, one part of it is I need to overcome my fear of not of not doing something that I'm uncomfortable with, right? So that would be something that would be a little step out on the ledge for me to do that. So I would I'd be game. That would be fun. Um, but I I I you know I get my butt whooped. But eventually, if I worked at, I guess I could get better um, with anything. But that goes yeah. back to our original question: How do I get stronger? How do I get faster? Um, yeah. You have to practice those things. So. Um, you know, once you have your main lifts, you want to get lower body strength. Squats is the best way to go. You want upper body strength, you know, bench press and pull-ups um, are some of my favorites. Um, but basic explosive power exercises, um, you want lower body explosiveness um, without having to have someone teach you how to power clean or do a highly skilled, highly technical lift. Um, box jumps. Yeah. Great lower body explosive exercise. Um, that's I pretty much for lower body power with my guys. I we box jump. I, I'm not going to teach them how to power clean. Um, I might in the off season toss it in there just to um, train those movement patterns. Um, and because it's a skill, and it just takes a long time. And so we had limited time to do that. So it, it just depends on the athlete I have. Uh, but I love box jumps. I like weighted box jumps. Uh, I like. You mean like uh, having like a, a weighted vest or something in yeah. your hands or what? Yeah, weighted. Yeah, weighted vest. You could throw a dumbbell. Um, you know, dumbbell in your hand. I don't really like that because you have less control and less balance. Um, so I just like using a little, 
you have five pound vest, little 10 pound vest. Um, but again, you have to progress yourself in a way that your mechanics are, are spot on. You look good with that. Okay. Let's try a 30 inch with a 10 pound vest. Um, just depends on what part of the cycle you're in. Um, depth drops, um, where 15 inch box or so depth drop, you take a step off the box and then you land, rip yourself down to the ground real quick, uh, into a base position or athletic position. Um, and then you progress that to a depth drop into a box jump. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you want upper body. Okay. Grab a med ball, get in the athletic position on a wall and just rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. Slam that ball against the wall. It's a little base position to med ball toss, but rapid. Um, again, that increases speed, increases power. Uh, plyo push-ups if you want to go that route um i love med ball stuff anything with a med ball or a kettlebell i love it rotational med ball throws um and then you can progress that to maybe a bound away from the wall load the hips and then drive towards the wall um with the med ball uh so i mean you can spice it up however and progress it um but simply put i would lift heavier um if your technique is good um I throw in some of those, uh, some of the box jumps, some depth drops to, to box jumps, um, little push press, good upper body power, um, little push press, push jerk. It's not quite as highly skilled as a power clean or a hang clean um, or a snatch. Uh, so keep it simple. The, yeah. You know, they say kiss. Keep it, keep it simple, stupid, or keep it simple, si- silly. Um, think about what you want to accomplish. And then you go back and see, okay, well, how can I accomplish that? What movements are going to improve that? What? Right. Uh, and so it's the simplest way. I'm a simple guy. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so I have to keep it simple. Um, and I think that's the, the safest way to go. We had, we had a bunch of coaches here and on Instagram, and uh, they want to be the best Instagram coach, and parents want their kids to do the fanciest exercise. And I'm like, shoot, man, I, you can't even do a bodyweight squat. Why would I have you, uh, you know, balancing on a BOSU ball, uh, right. holding 20 pounds over your head? Like, yeah. So I think that's the best way to think about it. Think about your roadmap, what you want, rotational power, um, static uh, stability, core stability, and and then branch off from there. You want to move faster. Cool. Okay. Do movements that force you to move faster and do it with a hundred percent effort. Um, I could do a med ball side med ball rotational throw and half ass it and I'm not going to develop power. Well, okay. I need each rep needs to be a hundred percent maximal effort. Okay. I get my set of three or five and then I make sure I recover enough in between sets to make sure that I have that energy to put maximal effort into each rep on the next set. Um, and, and you'll notice you start to move faster. You start to uh, get a little stronger. Um, yeah. So, so um, that's kind of a simple you, answer. I mean, without like writing up a complete plan right now, of course, there's going to be cycles yeah. where we might have a strength phase and we might have, you know, one of the popular things now, uh, um, Cal Dietz and his triphasic training, you know, eccentric, isometric, concentric, and you train the three parts of the movement um there's so many gosh there's so many different methodologies that are great um i think the simplest 
one is is usually especially for someone that's not necessarily the highest trained guy um not saying that you're not well trained but the simpler the better yeah um would you so like if i didn't set out a program for myself like an actual here's what i'm doing every day would it how off would i be by going based on how i feel like you know if i say i lift heavy on a monday and then by i don't know thursday i'm still you know i can still feel that i didn't recover as great as i could have or whatever like and i maybe thought i don't know maybe i thought that doing some sprints or some sort of agility or something like would be better than lifting heavy again like is is there anything off on just going by how your body feels? I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but. no, no, it makes sense. I mean, that's what I do with my guys. Sometimes you have to adjust. Um, if you're not recovered properly, what your your risk of injury goes what? It goes up. Um, yeah. And so, and then again, also soreness. That's also a poor performance indicator. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily. Yeah, when you're starting a new program, um, the idea is to mitigate the soreness as much as possible, um, but there's naturally going to be some, and a lot of people are, oh, I, I just got this workout done, and I'm not even sore the next day. Well, okay, good. That's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. That, that doesn't mean you had a poor workout the next day. Um, so that's that wouldn't be a bad way to go about it is to, you know, your body's telling you something, and... But there's also we also have to find that balance because there are times that, oh, I'm I'm really sore. I don't know if I should do this. Well, to get that adaptation, you have to you have to push it a little bit without overtraining. So right. um, there's there's a balance and whether or not you can really quantify that in an objective. Oh, he's way too sore today. We you know, we can't can't do X, Y and Z. Uh, I don't know. I would love if someone would send me uh, some research on that. Um, I haven't read anything recently. I don't think there is a quantifiable. I think that falls under the kind of the art of coaching yeah. um, aspect of it. So it depends on how much you want to. You obviously got to have some rest days. You got to have some recovery time. Otherwise, you're not giving your body time to reach, you know, the homeostasis. Get what do you mean by rest day? Rest, oh man, some people do active rest days where um, they're keeping, I, I'm so used to basing things off RPEs because of our low budget, uh, janky way of doing things um, that I base it on RPEs. So keep it a low RPE, zero to 10, you know, going out for maybe a recovery jog or a recovery yeah. bike ride and keeping it, you know, one to two or, uh, you know, three, four tops on the RPE scale uh, out of 10. And or just take a day and do some mobility. Right. So if you're training multiple times a day, seven days a week, your body has zero recovery time. And you would actually you would need the best nutrition imaginable and you would need um, you would probably need some uh, other performance enhancing uh, supplements to help you recover if you're training that hard. Yeah. Otherwise, um, you get broken down. I had two more things that I was uh, curious about. Uh, when sure. I deadlift, um, I actually don't anymore. Um, I Anything that is remotely like a deadlift is mostly like lifting kettlebells and stuff. Um, I don't like to deadlift 
unless it's like the hex bar, which I rarely have access to. Um, Ooh, I love the is, hex bar. Yeah, is the straight bar deadlift with with the seeming pain and injury I get from that uh, almost every time be uh, dysfunction that I just have myself, or is it purely always going to be poor technique? It's it's not a it's not a always one or the other. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. They could be uh, both. Odds are you're probably deadlifting wrong. Um, yeah, definitely. Because it's dead, me. deadlift, <laughs> like not not just because it's you, but I mean most people deadlift wrong. Um, and that's something that I would just I would say to load up the bar with you know uh, a light plate, get a you know five kilo bumper plate on each side, and send me a video. Um, from the front and from the side view of, of you deadlifting and let me look at it. Um, yeah. Cause it's going to be technique. I mean, deadlifts are deadlift. If, you, if it's done right, is a great exercise and people will say, Oh, I've got low back pain. And the doctor always says, well, stay away from deadlifts. Well, it depends on where the back pain is coming from. What, what's the underlying cause of the back pain. I, I get it all the time from, clients and, and athletes oh my my uh my doctor said i should never deadlift no that's well, that's just dumb um, yeah stay in stay in your lane doctor so-and-so and uh <laughs> let let the folks that know what they're talking about handle it um but of course depending on the the cause of the of the pain you may have to readjust there may be a, a imbalance in your hips um, hammies, hip flexors, you know, there, there could be a, a myriad of different issues going on in your core that are causing those issues. And then they're exacerbated when you deadlift with uh, less than proficient technique. So I would say yeah. it's not always one or the other. Um, it could be one, could be the other. A lot of times it's both. Um, right. I couldn't give you exact numbers on that. Just that's just yeah, anecdotally yeah. from what I've seen. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Don't be scared of the deadlift, man. Deadlift is, is no. Good. I mean, I'm not. It's I just, like it. It's definitely good, and I like to do it. Uh, I just, um, I, I suppose the the pain and then the you know lack of mobility I sometimes ended up having when I was consistently doing it what made it not worth it and it was the only thing right that that was causing that and when I stopped doing it I was still able to like like I said sort of deadlift uh you know heavier kettlebells you know hundred something pound kettlebells and stuff like that and I just you know it that wasn't hurting as much and I mean I'm sure it's technique but uh, and also on the hex bar, like I didn't have any issues, so it just seems like it's the straight bar technique that I've got wrong. So yeah, I mean, and you, it, it's a little different, you know, with the hex bar, you're gripping, you that weight is more along your center of gravity, and yeah. if you don't have the mobility that you need to get in position, the proper posture, having that bar in front of you, um, and not initiating the lift in the right way. Um, can, yeah, that, that will, that'll pull you forward and that can put a lot more stress. Um, but there's, there's ways to fix that. So I would say outside of this, uh, this talk today, I would say to, you know, send me a video, um, and, and then let's, and then we're just going to send me the laughing, crying face. 
yeah like sorry bro i can't i can't fix that <laughs> that's, that's just yeah okay so like the last thing i wanted to ask as far as me goes is um how much improvement can a 33 and a half year old reasonably expect to gain not uh using like performance enhancing drugs um is like oh, what what should i what should, controversy or should I? Should I be? Should I jump on some? Uh, should I jump on some testosterone or stick myself in the ass with some Navy Seal juice that he gave me at the gym? Not that he did, but oh. if he did. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, and this is this is where I always have to bite because I, I work with a professional athlete. So these these are my opinions dealing with men our age um, and above people that are not tested through a various governing body whether it's the ioc or um you know major league baseball or blah 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 i never and will never ever ever i want this to be perfectly clear to anyone who listens i have never and will never recommend the use of anabolics to an athlete or a client uh this is just us talking and my personal opinions (laughs) um just to just to clarify, so I, and, and the the coaches I work with, um, the other performance coaches I work with, they always laugh when um, someone brings it up because like, okay, yes, Cameron, we know your views on it. Uh, we don't, don't have to, you don't have to get on your soapbox today. Um, we used to argue. I used to go round and round and argue about this in grad school because we would. That was part of our curriculum was talking about various issues in sport, um, whether it's. Um, you know, gender bias or performance enhancing drugs, uh, various sociological issues within sport. And I am a huge proponent of general population people that aren't tested through a professional league utilizing testosterone supplementation if their levels are low. Um, well, shit, my levels ain't low, I can tell you that. But Well, here's the thing, like – you know, you look at the normal accepted range in Western medicine, it goes, it's like 200 or 250, whatever units they use to measure it to like 900. Um, and I remember going, my doc always laughs at me because he'll, my insurance covers it. And he'll ask me, oh, you, you want to get your testosterone checked? I said, doc, you know the answer to that? Yes. Every time. Check it. Uh, <laughs> I got to get that prescription. Um, so I was at like nine something one year. Is that how you okay. get so big, by the way? Is that how it works? No, I did. I did a couple cycles when I got you motherfucker. I knew it. I did. <laughs> Good for you, up. sir. I, and I was, <laughs> you I went was from shredded. Skeletor to something I'd never seen before, so cool. Yeah, I mean, shoot, when I knew you, I was 175, and then Jeez. I was like two, 225 at my biggest at about four and a half, five and a half percent body fat. Um, yeah. So I was, I was thick. My calves never grew though. That kind of pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> my calves will never grow, man. Oh, that's um, a bummer. But I, I, so I was at like 900, and then the next year I was at 600, and then the next year I dropped down to like 314. So he was like, okay, if you know, we'll do it again in a in a couple weeks, and if you're still really low, I'll prescribe it to you. Well, then I bumped back up to like four something. Um, so it went back up. He's like, sorry, buddy, no, no dice. Um, 
but it's still in a matter of two years went from 900 something to uh to 415 um so why that's, that's a i just getting older um you know really? as you age you, you hit 30 uh, you know testosterone naturally drops some people have higher level and it, it's it's what if i eat genetic. only steaks <laughs> i i don't i couldn't tell you um i know there are foods that will you know like fatty greasy foods will make your uh testosterone plummet um that's why uh, one of my buddies used to tell me he's like dude the night before you go in get your blood work as early as you can and the night before crush a large pizza from domino's or pizza Hut. your testosterone will plummet and i'm i, I never <laughs> did that uh, i thought about it but i never did um, that's funny but i think i think testosterone supplementation to bring it up to higher levels um of what's considered normal and of course normal is different from for every individual which pisses me off about the ncaa if they want to talk about equality uh in uh sports leveling the playing field say me and you are competing and you're naturally at a higher testosterone level say you sit at 950 or a thousand parts per whatever they measure it and i naturally sit at 400 that's a huge difference why should i not be able to supplement that to bring it to the higher levels of normal that's still within the normal range uh normal uh western medicine uh range why not well what so what does testosterone do for you as far as like does it make you have more energy to work yes. out and therefore you get bigger or do you just get stronger just from having more testosterone how does that go yeah so everyone thinks like oh uh you know, everyone, oh, look at Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire. Of course they can hit all those home runs. Uh, they're on testosterone. Well, and look at those bodybuilders. They got huge. They're, you know, they're taking HGH and, uh, and testosterone. You've got to put in the work. It allows you, it okay. basically, it allows you to put in the work and recover faster. Um, that's why you've seen guys that got in trouble in MLB. They come off an injury and they're rehabbing and they have, getting caught utilizing human growth hormone or testosterone yeah. uh, as part of the recovery phase because it allows you to recover faster. So if me and you hit the same workout today, I'm on my supplements, my performance enhancing supplements, not drugs. They are supplements. Um, <laughs> words matter, folks. Words matter. Um, and, and we go into the gym the next day and I've, I'm as spry as can be. I'm energized. My energy's up. Um, I don't have any soreness. Um, I'm able to work out 10 times harder than I would have been had I just been nutritionally supplemented. So that's basically yeah. what it what it does in a very, very basic sense. Um, it's not – I can't take it and then do nothing and expect to my muscles to grow. Yeah. Well, okay, so if you took it, though, like, say I drink a cup of coffee in the morning or say uh, I don't do this at all anymore, but, like, um, I when I first really started working out after college, I was taking those, like, different pre-workouts, and right. if by some chance, like, you know, Leah and I got in an argument or I had to change a diaper or they got distracted – in some way and I didn't get to go burn that it would fill me with awful anxiety and it's the same way with like a coffee in the morning like if I don't burn that off like my day goes to shit so if if I was to supplement testosterone or whatever would I would it be the same thing would I have to burn 
would there be mental energy there as well that I needed to get rid of? No, you might have some sexual energy you need to burn off. Yeah. But, well, <laughs> I, I mean, think think three kids later, I'm all good on the sexual yeah, energy. I think, I think <laughs> you're just a freaking Casanova, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, sexual dynamo. Um, but no, it's not. It's it's it really you you're using it to supplement what you're doing. You, so you have to look at your your final mission. My final mission is I want to get you know jacked and tan. Okay, well I'm utilizing <laughs> testosterone to get jacked, and I have to do something, right? I have to lift weights. I have to lift in a certain certain rep scheme, certain percentage. Uh, certain volume and intensity to achieve that. And the testosterone is going to help me recover. And then yeah. if you just want to get tan, you know, lay out in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't so get tan in your, and lay out inside. Yeah. In your <laughs> experience with testosterone, you didn't get like, there was no sort of jittery, anything, stuff like that. No. Cause it's not a, cause it's not a stimulant. Um, like no, caffeine. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. an anabolic hormone. Um, so well, I just would, I wouldn't want to take it and then come home and like be like, you know, you know, bitch, you cooked my steak too much and just you know put <laughs> Leah's head through the window or something because I'm just all jacked up. Look, so there's be- no there's no research, legitimate peer review research to that talks about that that roid rage is real. The roid rage is not real. What it does, what those things do, they take guys that are already assholes that are small. <laughs> Yeah. And they turn them into larger big, assholes. Big assholes. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it does. It doesn't make them any more angry. Now, if I am a little asshole and I become a big asshole and I'm also have a drinking or opioid uh, problem along with my abuse of anabolic hormones, well, yeah, we're gonna have some problems, right? Yeah. We're gonna have some issues. So that's what they don't look at in some of those studies, especially some of the quote unquote road roid rage studies, is the concurrent abuse of opioids, alcohol, other drugs that are contributing factors. And then they say, oh, man, it's got to be the steroids. Right. Well, that's 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 shoddy research, which well, I, mean, what I guess. A, what about the effect on uh, uh, can it overbear your ligaments and tendons or anything like that? Or do those grow and get strong, too? Yeah, those those will get those will get strong. I mean, the idea obviously is keeping it within a normal range, right? So, um, that whole, that whole idea of, you know, increased ligament and, uh, ligament damage and, uh, tendon injuries. There's a lot of factors that go into that and it's not the anabolics. They don't deteriorate your tendons or, or okay. ligaments. Now, if you want, these to are all just myths that I'm asking, huh? Yes, but cool. if you want to talk about corticosteroids, corticosteroids, yes, can have a degenerative if overused and overprescribed, can have a degenerative um, effect on tendons and ligaments. But those are two different types of steroids. You got a corticosteroid, which is anti-inflammatory. Then you have anabolic steroid, which is awesome. That's like what I used to get shot into my ankle, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So they're very careful with that now to not overprescribe those just because of you know what they can do to the to the joints yeah. they have their place but okay so the answer to my how much could i reasonably assume 
to improve as a 33-year-old is, is yeah. depending depending on what supplements I'm willing to take. Is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> it, it depends on genetics. It depends <laughs> on your nutrition. It, uh, there are a wide variety of variables. You know, yeah. you'll if you get one of them right, okay, it's going to help you a little bit, but you're not going to be able to improve as much as you could if you get approached right. Um, and sure, yeah, you want to you want to supplement and increase your testosterone level. There are plenty of hormone clinics that will prescribe it, and you'll feel like a million bucks all the time. Yeah, cool, man, cool. Well, uh, one thing I like to do when I'm not having super uh, serious conversations with repeat guests is i like to ask somebody uh if they have a funny or embarrassing mostly embarrassing story that's happened in their life that would be uh reasonably amusing for people to to hear you got anything like that to share um okay (laughs) all right this will be one on the the dangers of social media uh young athletes be careful what you post on social media so when we were in college, our freshman year, Facebook was, you know, Facebook was pretty much brand new. Was yeah. you know, out in 2004. We get to Montreat. I remember emailing Mark Zuckerberg because his email was on the masthead. It was on the homepage. Yeah. And Montreat wasn't on it. So I remember emailing him like, hey, you know, we got the guys in the dorm. Email Mark Zuckerberg. Can you add Montreat College to Facebook? Thought it was great. Well, brand new thing. What do we do? we post all these pictures on there for anyone to see. <laughs> and there was a picture from, we used to do back porch nights at uh, one of my high school buddies' houses uh, where about five or six of us would sit on the porch. We'd drink beers and we would just have a great time. We'd just talk about life and goof around, jump in the pool, uh, pretty much just doing bro, stupid bro stuff. Um, sitting on the porch, drinking beers, getting sloppy. It was fun. Well, one of the nights I was known for as the guy that would get naked at some point and run around. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. So there was a picture of me with my long hair, uh, freaking uh, like a skater hat, like Lost, some company I think called Lost, little hat, and I'm butt naked, and he had an inflatable alligator and I was wrestling. <laughs> I was pretending to wrestle this inflatable alligator yes. to the ground. And you couldn't see anything. There was no nudity, but you could tell I was – you could see, like, side cheek. So I was <laughs> – you could tell I was naked and just having a good old time. Well, of course, one of my buddies tagged me in it, and the assistant athletic director at Montreat, and then the AD saw it. And I was severely punished by Jim <laughs> Schaffner and was reprimanded. What a great college. guy. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, that was, that was pretty, uh, that was that pretty was. embarrassing. Some of the, some of the other embarrassing, like there's some other ones, but they're not, they're not really. That was good. That's good enough. Or appropriate. That's, We'll leave yeah. with that one. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely good enough, dude. Um, so be careful, kids, what you post on social media. Be careful. Yeah, I'm always trying to tell my siblings that, and I don't know if they listen or not. I'm sure we'll find out in the coming years. But, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, well, hey, man, uh, I really appreciate you doing this, and you're welcome to 
come back and do this any other time. Um, that was really awesome. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hopefully I get to see I you appreciate soon. You. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> you, uh, having me on and, uh, you know, you know, the topics I like to talk about. I love politics. I love theology. Um, so you want to start diving into some of those topics or keep Heck the yeah, sports? Man. Hey, I'm, I'm game for all of it. Well, the, this this one I felt like it was it was good to good to keep you on your uh, your profession and your expertise. <laughs> I'm not so sure that the other things are your expertise, but you know you always thought they were. So um, hey, yeah, I'm maybe maybe we can get into those in the future for, for no, sure. But, I look I look forward to it. I I enjoyed the discussion and getting to share my thoughts. And if there's other strength coaches out there that have uh you know a problem with anything i said okay cool email anthony and let's have a talk about it i'm I'm always trying to learn from other performance coaches and i don't have all the answers and sometimes my opinions aren't exactly the right ones but i I do my best (laughs) yeah man yeah well hey tell uh tell your mama that i don't hate her actually i love her and tell tell both (laughs) mom and pops that i said hello and uh Sydney too. Tell Sydney. Tyler, uh, he can do whatever he wants. I don't, <laughs> I don't know Tyler that much, but you can tell tell the rest of them that uh, that I said hello. But yeah, I will. I'll again. send the uh, I'll send the link. Uh, I'll have to send the link to the podcast to him. That'll be good. Yeah, man, for sure. But yeah, anyway, thank you very much, man. Uh, you good, man. All right, I shall well, talk, talk to you, you later. We'll, yeah, let's hook up and get some lunch or dinner or something. Absolutely, man. Take care. All right, buddy. See, See ya. ya.